Good to be with you. My name is John Ward, and I have the privilege of serving as the Director of Mobilization at Encompass World Partners. And we're headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia, where I live with my family. Uh, you have an insert in your bulletin that actually introduces you to the ministries of Encompass uh, in a pretty comprehensive way, so thanks to those who printed this out. But our vision is to spread the knowledge and glory of God among the least reached of our world, and we've had the privilege of doing that as in connection with um, our fellowship of churches, the churches that Peninsula Grace is also a part of now for 118 years. Well, I feel like I'm living a dream because for my entire life, I've wanted to come to Alaska, and this uh, opportunity has afforded me that, oppor- that, that chance. And the reason, part of the reason why is not only because of the beauty of Alaska, but um, also because I have family here. So I want to introduce you to my Alaska family. These are uh, what we like to call in the, uh, my mom's side of the family, the Alaska Johnsons. And so uh, my uncle Bruce um, and his wife Monica are pictured there. My uncle moved here in 1975 to Eagle River. Uh, my cousins uh, with, their, with their wives there um, are pictured as well. And so I've just had a fantastic week uh, I got here Monday and had the chance to spend time with my family and see some sights. And I'm in the 33% that actually got to see Denali on Thursday. It was such a beautiful day, and so that was fantastic, but enjoying some good time with family here. I want to introduce you to my own family, The Five Wards. You can follow me on Instagram at The Five Wards. Uh, we used to have a much catchier kind of missionary family name when we were The Four Wards. had that double meaning, right? Um, but God chose to give us uh, a third uh, in Owen. Uh, our kids are Micah, Camden, um, and the baby Owen. And my wife there, Kate, uh, we've been married for 17 years. Uh, my wife is actually, I, I credit her through God's work in her life for mobilizing me for missions. When I met her, I didn't even have a passport. And uh, I didn't know that there was a much of a world outside of Ohio where I'm from. But uh, she had been overseas to London, England, uh, serving uh, through an internship with Encompass. And shortly after we got married, uh, we went over and served uh, in England. They, they did um, you know, some deep language assessments for us to see how we would do in terms of learning languages. And they said, you should go to England, all right? <laughs> uh, we we uh, had a great privilege of serving there, and God really used those experiences in our life to orient us around mission. This is the mobilization team at Encompass World Partners that I lead. Uh, We often uh, refer to ourselves uh, as the mob squad, uh, mobilization for short. But we have the opportunity uh, to uh, be uh, catalyzing global missions by investing in individuals and uh, equipping churches to go further together in the Great Commission. We do that by representing the ministries of Encompass in churches, on college campuses, at conferences, and uh, giving people opportunities to connect to how they can pray more effectively, uh, give sacrificially, uh, you know, go courageously, and uh, send uh, those that are going. So, uh, love these guys, love serving with them. I want to introduce you to them as well. But today, our topic is missions in four dimensions from Acts 1.8. Before we get into that text uh, and that topic, I want to make a couple comments about your series. Uh, It's on the back of the wall there under Missions in Action, Be a Missionary, Bless a Missionary. And the focus this month has been 
on missions. I had a chance to listen to a few of the messages that were given. I really appreciated Dave's message and got to enjoy an evening in their home last night and uh, get to know them. And uh, so thanks, Dave, for opening up 1 Peter 4 uh, for us. I just love that passage and the challenge uh, to use whatever gifts you've been given to serve others. And then Justin last week really unpacked the Great Commission for us and uh, loved his message. But in the end, I just wanted to give his nephew a big hug. So I'm hoping I get to meet his nephew here and I can give him some solace. Um, I, I think maybe, maybe Justin, make, he could maybe learn something from his nephew, like stop and smell the roses, right? Um, I don't know if you remember that from his message last week, that's what stood out to me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, as we look into this topic, be a missionary, bless a missionary, First of all, um, from a technical side of things, the word missionary is actually not a Bible term uh, because it's a Latin term. Uh, It comes from the Latin missio, meaning to send, but it's very much related to the Bible word in Greek for apostolos, which is apostle, meaning sent one. The idea that we are all missionaries has become a big debate in recent years. Uh, But however, it's clear from Scripture that we are all sent ones, as Jesus says to his disciples in John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. He goes on, um, but it goes on. We, yes, we are all sent ones, but some are set apart, as we see in Acts 13 there. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. It goes on to say, so after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. What I want to say about this is as followers of Jesus, we are all sent. We're sent ones, but some are set apart. In other words, we're all missionaries, but some are set apart to do the work of missions. And we're going to look at that more deeply as we enter into the four dimensions of missions. Well, this is the definition of missions that uh, I often use in settings like this. It says this, to move towards or go to those that are different than us by crossing over the barriers of geography, culture, language, ethnicity, religion, and social strata to share the message of the gospel and make disciples of Jesus. The apostolic nature of that mission includes being message bearers of the good news making disciples, and seeing the essence of the church planted among every nation, tribe, people, and language. And today and until Jesus returns, that mission is clearly the responsible of, responsibility of those of us who follow Jesus and our pursuit of his plan to accomplish that mission through us, his church. All right, so... We're going to look at missions in four dimensions. Before we do that, a couple of things uh, related to some context from Acts 1.8. The, the mission most notably called the Great Commission, it, it appears in all four Gospels. And finally, it appears here in Acts 1.8, where we find the parting words of Jesus to his disciples. He spent 40 days on earth after his resurrection, and he asked his disciples to stay in Jerusalem for 10 days following his ascension, when the Holy Spirit would come at Pentecost. Most modern translations of the Bible, uh, are, they actually interpret what is plural as singular. 
So it's likely that your translation says you when it should say y'all, all right? Like that y'all, right? Some scholars say you in the Bible is the plural, y'all, at least 98% of the time. And I like to say it this way, missions is not a DIY, do-it-yourself project, but rather a DIT, do-it-together project. Well, being from Atlanta in the South, it's great because we say y'all all the time, all right? You like to say y'all too, you say it with me, y'all, right? You gotta draw it out, you gotta draw the vowels out, y'all, all right? <laughs> but in Acts 1-8, uh, we actually, what I want us to do together is read the New Southern Translation, okay? You didn't know the New Southern Translation existed? Well, if the, plur- if the U is technically plural, Y'all works perfectly. So why don't you read this with me, okay? Y'all will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on y'all, and y'all will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. All right, thanks for embellishing me. That was fun. Y'all did great. (laughs) Well, it's... uh, Jesus has given us his strategy for the Great Commission here. We've been invited into the family business. It's, it's as if he's handed over the family business. And here's the business plan he's laid out for us. Before we look um, at the four dimensions of missions, let's look at the power source. So remember in John 14, 12, Jesus says this to his disciples, Very truly, I tell you, Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Why could he say this? Because he was going to share that abundant power source, the promised Holy Spirit, with us. He goes on in verses 16 and 17 to say this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So here in Acts 1.8, he reveals the how of the Great Commission. Because God, through the Holy Spirit, was coming to live in them and give them power. All right, so any superhero fans here? Avengers? All right, Avengers is huge in my house right now uh, with uh, three boys. But imagine the power of a superhero. Uh, This power totally blows it away. Uh, The God of the universe living in us through the Holy Spirit. Let's look at witnesses. Y'all will be my witnesses, right? So what's a witness? Well, it's someone who's experienced something or can therefore give testimony of what happened. Uh, we, if, if you witnessed a crime or an accident, you may have to uh, you know, go to the trial and give testimony of what you saw. The transformation that comes to the life of those that follow Jesus and experience that abundant life he offers is worth sharing. John Piper says it this way, you can't commend to others what you don't cherish yourself. 
Now, we do this regularly and commonly when we go find something good to eat, right? At a restaurant or we try a new recipe. We want to tell others about it because we enjoyed it so much. And we need to do the same as we experience more and more of Jesus, giving testimony of who he is and what he's done in our lives. All right, so one more thing to note as we look at the passage What was coming was Pentecost, which is actually the birthday of the New Testament church, and that's what Pastor Chris Anderson calls that in his book, The Gospel Gospel Meditations for Missions. He says this, Pentecost signified the mobility of the missionary church. God's presence paralleled Moses' and Solomon's dedication of the tabernacle and temple, as exemplified by the cloudy and fiery pillar now hovering as flames over the individuals now compromising the church of Jesus Christ. God's temple had been franchised and mobilized, prepared for the Great Commission. Rather than inviting the nations to come to Jerusalem, the new temple, the church, was commanded and enabled to go to the nations. A pastor friend of mine likes to say it this way, It's as if we're a taxi service for the Holy Spirit to go from place to place. We're mobile. And uh, as as Pastor Chris Anderson said, we've been franchised uh, and mobilized. Well, the final observation is, is that there are four dimensions here. Jesus shares in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Notice he says, not then, but and. Missiologist David Garrison observed that many churches get caught up in what he calls the heresy of sequentialism, viewing these as steps or stages of engagement, rather than embracing them all at once as the text reads. Our director of church planning at Encompass, he likes to say it this way, the people in our Jerusalem are like us, the people in Judea are sort of like us, the people in Samaria are different than us, and the people at the ends of the earth are incomprehensible to us. But Jesus says, go to all the peoples of the world. Today, we're going to look more intently into these four dimensions of missions through the lens of geography and social or cultural dynamics. All right, so I got this nifty PowerPoint. All right, see, it's, it's, can you tell it's three-dimensional? All right. Ooh, you can, you can ooh and ah, right? Uh, it's a three-dimensional PowerPoint. Of course, we're talking about the four dimensions of missions on a three-dimensional PowerPoint. So maybe someday when we're with Jesus in heaven, we'll be able to see in four dimensions. This is going to have to do today, all right? So dimension number one, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the geographically near but socially, and socially similar what would that place be for you? What would your Jerusalem be? What would be Soldatna or Kenai? This would include the networks and the neighborhoods that you're involved in right here at home. Now keep in mind, the Great Commission starts when we live out the Great Commandment to love God and love neighbors right here and now. Let me say that again. The Great Commission starts when we live out the Great Commandment to love God and love our neighbors right here and right now. Well, each one of these barriers we're going to look at, or sorry, each one of these 
uh, dimensions, we're going to look at a barrier uh, that we face in reaching the people there. So in our Jerusalem, I submit to you that the barrier that we face is indifference. A popular folk artist that I listen to has a line in a song that says, the opposite of love is indifference. And Albert Einstein said it this way, the world is a dangerous place to live, not because of the people who are evil, but because of the people who don't do anything about it. Well, for me, uh, this, this uh, never rang more true as I thought about my own neighborhood. So five years ago, we moved into a house in Atlanta uh, on a cul-de-sac. And all of my life, I've never had the opportunity to live on a cul-de-sac. Um, and so I had this like, grand vision, this utopian vision of what life on a cul-de-sac looked like uh, with the people that lived there. Well, turns out I was quite disappointed because my neighbors are a lot like probably many of yours. They come home, go right uh, into their garage or their carport. We have carports in Atlanta because, you know, it's not cold and freezing like that, like it is here. And, uh, and they go right in the door. And it's pretty hard to engage your neighbors. I mean, we've done things to try to play in the front yard, um, to engage our neighbors, but it's been really hard. And so I fight that, uh, that resistance um, that barrier of indifference a lot with loving my neighbors. My wife has done a great job of making our boys' elementary school her mission field, but she's struggled with feelings of indifference when she's had opportunities to share the gospel and has seen very little spiritual interest uh, in the response. Maybe you feel the same way in your neighborhood and your networks. Well, Glory be to God, because today, by His grace, through patient endurance and consistent witness, in our neighborhoods and in our networks, we've seen people taking steps towards Jesus. And since we started a church in our home almost two years ago, we've seen people, not only from our cul-de-sac, but from the boys' elementary school, come be a part of the church in our Jerusalem. Well, how do we apply this? I would say we need accountability. I know I do. Uh, To get through this barrier of indifference in our Jerusalem, we need accountability and community. And the way we do that in in our context is we have something called growth groups. And these are small groups. Some call them spiritual triads. Uh, For me, it's a group of two to four men uh, who we get together uh, nearly weekly to hold each other accountable for Bible reading, for confession of sin to each other, and to pray for one another and also our friends that don't yet know Jesus. But these men hold me accountable to staying, uh, fighting, to continue to fight through the barrier of indifference in my Jerusalem. All right, let's look at dimension number two, which is Judea. It's geographically far, um, but socially it's near. And so what uh, we see actually uh, in Acts uh, 1 through 7 Uh, if you have done much study in Acts, is that it all took place uh, in those first seven chapters in Jerusalem. The disciples were actually committing the sin of heresy, or the heresy, sorry, of sequentialism that I mentioned before. Um, Some have suggested that what happened starting in Acts 8.1, it actually happened because the disciples weren't doing Acts 1.8. So what happened in Acts 8? Does anybody know? Persecution came and forced them out of Jerusalem and into Judea and Samaria. 
In Acts 8, 4, it says this, those who had been uh, scattered preached the word wherever they went. And this is how uh, Jesus moved the gospel out of uh, Jerusalem and into the regions of Judea and Samaria. So what places and people would make up our Judea? Any place that you'd consider far from home, but with whom you have a similar world and life view. So most of the United States now, uh, Alaska's quite different, so maybe that's in question for some of us, uh, but you, um, you might fit into a category with anybody who would be, you know, like from Atlanta, Georgia, uh, on the, diff- the other side of the country, but with whom you share a similar worldview. So uh, these would be the people that are outside of our neighborhoods and networks that I was mentioning before. Well, we like our creature comforts, right? I mean, after all, we invented the recliner when the chair wasn't comfortable enough for us. And then when a blanket wasn't warm enough for us, we created the Snuggie, all right? You guys know what the Snuggie is? It's that thing that you can fit in that's like a blanket. It's like, nobody knows what Snuggie is, all right? Any Snuggie fans here? All right, okay, come on. Give me in a Snuggie and a recliner and it's comfort, right? It's time for a power nap on a Sunday afternoon, all right? Well, it becomes hard for us to go beyond our Jerusalem when we get comfortable. And Jesus is saying, you need to move outside of your comfort zone to be my witnesses in Judea and beyond. And I would contend that the more comfortable we get, the less we depend on God. But the more risk we take getting out of our comfort zones, the more our faith grows and our dependence on, our, our dependence on God deepens. Well, just as we think about how to apply this, we all need to be willing to go outside of our comfort zone to serve others wherever God sends us, taking advantage of every opportunity he gives us to be a witness. Now, I don't know about you, but I can say, looking back on things, that I've never regretted times that I've stepped out of my comfort zone to be a witness for Christ. I only wish that I've had the, I would have had the courage to do it more. All right, dimension number Three, whoops, I didn't bring up that barrier there. So the barrier in Judea is comfort, okay? All right, so Samaria. These are the geographically near and socially different. So who are the Samaritans? Well, in Acts 1-8 here, um, at that time, Jews and Samaritans had not gotten along for centuries. Uh, In fact, the Jews viewed Samaritans as half-breeds, even calling them dogs, Although Jews and Samaritans hated each other and were very different socially and culturally, they lived nearby. For Jews, the term Good Samaritan, the one that we use quite often today, it was an oxymoron that simply didn't exist. And yet, here is Jesus telling them that they will be his witnesses in Samaria. Who are the people nearby us that are different? And this is where it starts to get a little harder, right? Because loving those who are similar yet are outside of our networks, that's challenging enough. But to love those who are close by, who we perceive to have irreconcilable differences with, well, that becomes even harder. And we live in a nation that is more polarized than it's ever been. So what are the kind of differences we are facing? And I thought what I'd do is take us through a little exercise this morning. 
I'm going to read a few categories of people, and I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, who among these do I need to move towards in order to share the love of Christ? All right, so I'm just going to read these. Muslims, fundamentalists, atheists, Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, Universalists, Democrats, Republicans, ultra-liberals, ultra-conservatives, libertarians, homosexuals, feminists, sexists, sex offenders, prostitutes, inmates, refugees, undocumented immigrants, homeless people, Wall Street CEOs, billionaires, pro-choice activists, abortion doctors, racial others, ethnic others, alt-right members, Black Lives Matter activists. So if in Jerusalem the biggest barrier to overcome is indifference, in Judea it's comfort, in Samaria, what is it? It's prejudice. When we attribute attitudes and idea, ideas and behaviors to people, we treat them and we treat them like groups rather than like someone loved by God who bears his image. We're acting out of our prejudice, and that destroys our witness. The first step to overcoming this barrier is to realize that we all have cultural bias and prejudice, attitudes and ideas. Why? Because we, we like the way we do things. We just prefer it that way, right? What Jesus was doing is he was telling these Jews that he was going to expand the special relationship that, he, that they enjoyed with God beyond its mono-ethnic context into a multi-ethnic and therefore multicultural context. What's interesting about this is when uh, he sent his disciples out the first, first time in Matthew 10 and also in Luke 10, uh, some call those the missionary discourse, he said, don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans because he had come for the lost sheep of Israel. Basically, at that time, they just weren't ready. They didn't have the promised Holy Spirit yet, right? That was going to allow them to do greater things and go beyond even breaking through these barriers of prejudice. But that didn't mean Jesus didn't show them the way because he actually took the disciples through Samaria and revealed himself as Messiah to an unlikely Samaritan woman who was known as the town whore. If that isn't overcoming the barriers of prejudice... I don't know what is. After that, Jesus goes on. Uh, he, he, he flips the script, really, on a Jewish expert in the law when the story of who was the good neighbor to the man on the road to Jericho who had been robbed and beaten half to death, it wasn't the priest or the Levite. Who was it? It was the Samaritan. And that's where we get the term good Samaritan, right? As we think about how to apply this to our own lives, it's easy to hold prejudice in our hearts when we let the barrier of prejudice isolate us from knowing a person. 
So I challenge you, who do you need to uh, maybe grab coffee with, invite into your home, get to know somebody from your Samaria uh, right here? I was spending time on a campus at a local university with international students that were coming to learn English. Many of these students were actually Muslim from the Arab world. And just getting to know them, sitting down over lunch, hearing their stories, discovering what we had in common, it was the best way to break through the barriers of prejudice that I had in my own heart towards Muslims. So I challenge all of us, who are the people that are nearby but different from us? that we need to get to know so that the barrier of prejudice can come down even more and we can be used by God to reach more people that are living without hope. Just like Jesus did with the disciples, we need to go through our Samaria to do missions in four dimensions. Well, the final dimension, the fourth dimension, as you can see, is the ends of the earth the geographically far and socially different. I know you're probably saying this, why does it keep getting harder, right? As you may have noticed, these dimensions, uh, they get progressively more challenging. As in the case of the three dimensions, uh, every single one of us can actually participate without leaving the country or needing a passport. We have a Jerusalem, a Judea, a Samaria, but what about the ends of the earth? Are we responsible for this one? Well, yes, because Jesus didn't leave it out, right? It's right there. This is the dimension where many of us get really on edge because we think God may take us from the Arctic to the Amazon or from Alaska to the Arab world. And we get concerned for the plans that we already have for our, for our own future. I would suggest that when it comes to the ends of the earth, the ones who are incomprehensible to us there are actually two types of people among us. Those that will go and those that will stay behind and send. Remember when I started, I said as followers of Jesus, we're all sent ones. We've been sent. Remember Jesus in John 20. Uh, Just as the Father sent me, so I send you. But some are set apart. The ones that are set apart like Barnabas and Paul in Acts 13 must be sent by those who will pray expectantly and give generously to see the gospel go to the ends of the earth. When I think about Jesus' call to us to go to the ends of the earth, the barrier of control comes to mind. After all, we have such such a good life here. We have such good plans for our future. We have a 5, 10, 15-year plan. So the biggest barrier is control. We believe we should be in charge of our own destiny, right? And keep in mind that when you said yes to Jesus, you were giving him control of your life. Following Jesus is not putting our plans on a piece of paper and asking God to sign at the bottom. It's actually giving him the blank piece of paper, signing it ourselves, and letting him write the story of where he wants us to go. All right, so I have a couple applications. First, for those that will go, and then we'll look at those that will send. To those that will go, some of you may be among the sent ones who will be set apart to go to the ends of the earth. If you sense the Holy Spirit's leading 
um, that this is for you, I encourage you to engage your church in the conversation, the leaders of your church, allowing them to help you discern, confirm, and affirm God's calling and your readiness to be sent. Also, that's what myself and other mobilizers at Encompass are here for. We're here as practical guides for those who may be asking those kinds of questions of God, who may be interested and open to go uh, and be sent to a strategic place where their gifts could be used. I've got some information back here on a table. If you'd like to learn more about Encompass and how we serve uh, churches and individuals, uh, please come back and Grab some of that. Uh, I'd love to talk with you as well. And to those of you who will send. Since the ends of the earth is where there is the most need and the least amount of people go, we have a great burden of responsibility. We need to become more serious about praying and giving and supporting those who are being called by God because they are an extension of the rest of us. Uh, It was great to see the video of the young lady serving in Russia today. She's an extension of you, the body of Christ, here in Soldatna. Remember, this is not a plural, do it, uh, this is a plural, sorry, rather, this is a plural, do it together, DIT project. It's not them there, it's all y'all, all all right, which is actually the plural of y'all, okay? I know, get your grammar, southern grammar on, okay? The plural of y'all is all y'all. We are extending the hope of the gospel to the very ends of the earth as we pray, give, and send those that will go. Phil Parshall illustrates it this way. He says, think about World War II as a parallel. Only 10% of of the population went to war at that time. Of those, only 1% were on the firing lines. But for them to be successful in their mission, the whole country had to be mobilized. Well, this is a year that encompasses celebrating 100 years of ministry in the heart of Africa. And that happened through a small team of those that would go, along with those who supported them and sent them. They sacrificed much to see the gospel extend to what is now the Central African Republic. The pioneer missionary that led that team, his name is James Gribble, and this is what he said in his journal. I long to go to the darkest, most densely populated region of Africa, where not only has the gospel not been preached, but where no one plans to preach it. And even if the obstacles should tower to the heavens, We shall, by the grace of God, overcome. James Gribble also said this in his journal. We are knocking at the door of one of the greatest unreached mission fields in the entire world. The gospel must, must be preached here. If we fail to stand true to the Lord, he will be obliged to use others to do this work. Well, we counted up, we did a few uh, things to kind of count up uh, what uh, God did through the lives of those who went and those who sent. Uh, There were over 200 missionaries that have served with Encompass during those 100 years, equaling 3,420 years of service. And at today's cost, this would equal 
over $171 million. But imagine the prayers prayed, the sacrificial gifts given to support this work of God, and imagine those that lost their lives serving there, including James Gribble and eight others. James Gribble said this, I shall be content with the lowest seat in heaven if only there I may sit and see the redeemed of the Lord come in from those fields where I have been a pioneer missionary. Church, may it happen again through us. This is God's movement. He's inviting us to join in it. And as we conclude, I want to invite the band to come up. Here's the reality. Jesus crossed over every barrier so that we could do missions in four dimensions. Will Jesus find us ready to go and send those who will go to the ends of the earth? Will he find us ready to reach our Jerusalem, our Judea, and our Samaria as well? Why should we reach the ends of the earth and the other three dimensions as well? Well, because Jesus himself spanned the widest of all distances as he came from heaven, giving up control, giving up control of his life to rescue us. He helps us to overcome our prejudice. He chose service over comfort because he came to serve, not to be served. And he chose intentionality over indifference. This is how Jesus lived. And he's calling us to do the same. Today I ask you, church, will y'all obey Jesus and follow him together with the power of the Holy Spirit as his witnesses by doing missions in four dimensions. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just humbly come before you and we thank you that you bridged the widest of all divides, the barrier of sin that prevented us from the abundant life that we enjoy now in you. Lord, you gave up your very life to make us your children and to set us on mission for you. Would you, by your Holy Spirit, using us as your witnesses, help us today and, and in the days ahead to do missions in four dimensions for your glory, your honor, and your name's renown among all nations. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.